0: That's, that is great. Well, that reminds me of a quick story I'll tell you. And then, uh, if we have any other questions or feedback from last week, we can do that. And then we're going to, we're going to jump into Minecraft. Um, the, the other, yeah, my daughter, my fourth fourth grader just said, Ooh, she's been doing a lot of building in Minecraft the last week. Um, so the other STEM teacher that, that teaches four or five STEM at our other campus is Amy Luffeholtz. And uh, next week we're going to be collaborating on a free two-day face-to-face workshop. We're so excited. It's the fastest workshop I've ever done that filled up. So we like in two days we had it filled up. And, of course, it's free. So but <clears throat> there's just not a lot for STEM teachers. And so she was telling me this story about Scratch because she uh, just did a very – cursory, I think only two day introduction to Scratch with her students this year. But you know, some of her students took that little introduction and went really far with it. And I'll see if I can bring up this um, this, the 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 actual profile page for this uh, student. Because she had a student in fifth grade. Yeah, here it is. Okay. So here's the here's the tweet um, check out this project or this student for the talent show for school. Um, this student, um, ended up sharing the, the scratch project. So he, the, uh, the student's scratch account is ninja J one Oh eight. And, um, there's, and has 23 shared projects, but the thing, and, and hopefully Amy will share this, you know, either as a video or in a blog post, it's one of these precious stories Where, um, you know, this student is what we we might call a special friend. You know, uh, the student is um, on the autism spectrum somewhere and has not been a student that kids have really seen as an achiever and, you know, seen as, as maybe a standout in class. And she provided him an opportunity to share with their class what he had created with some of his scratch projects And he opted in the talent show to share one of his scratch projects with the entire school, showing the project and explaining it. And she said, and and the thing that was so amazing, well, and I don't know if amazing is the right word, beautiful, is she said you could watch his classmates as he was explaining and showing his project just in awe and just amazed because they had not seen this, this side of, of this child before. And by giving this opportunity to code, but also just to be creative. Like she said, in one section, he was having the shark, you know, bite and, you know, you know eat whatever the character was. And so he'd recorded, you know, the na-na, 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 nah, nah, like the little jaws. But he recorded his own voice. And then he recorded, you know, some chewing sounds and other sorts of things. So it just was this awesome opportunity for him to show off what he had created but it was a it was a blending of creativity and kind of whimsical fun that people don't necessarily think of when you think about computer coding and programming. Um, And I think the most beautiful thing was, you know, everybody, including Amy, the teacher, you know, got to see a window into this child's mind and creativity and imagination that without this opportunity to create, in this case in Scratch, You know, she wouldn't have seen, the classmates wouldn't have seen, and she said, in the talent show, he said, now I want to thank all of my friends, and he he said every child's first name in his class, and anyway, it just... That story is so powerful, and it's not really because of the technology. The technology kind of opened up a window, and it's like giving a pencil. You know, if if this is all you have to express yourself, wow, that's pretty limited. But when we give kids and invite them to express themselves with really powerful tools like Scratch, or like we're going to talk about Minecraft or some of these other tools, Oh, my gosh, we can really get an incredible window sometimes into their learning and, you know, into who they are and and the special kids that they are. So I just thought that was a really special story. And and I would encourage you all to share those kinds of stories locally, because what Liz just said about her first graders exceeding her expectations, I have seen that happen repeatedly. Yay. Is this Missoula? Is that Ashley? Ashley? your Your mic may be muted, actually um we're glad for you to join us. Um, I've seen this happen repeatedly where where kids exceed our expectations, and I think there are there's something to simulations and games and and the I mentioned before the way that Mitch Resnick describes Scratch. It has a low bar and a high ceiling. There's there's a high ceiling to Code.org. There's a high ceiling to Scratch and to Minecraft. And, you know, sometimes we don't really... Um, fully appreciate what kids can do and what their what what their capabilities are and I and I think it can be a beautiful thing when kids kind of blow our expectations out of the water and and sometimes it's just well let me show you my scratch project and and as the adult or the parent or the teacher sometimes we look at this and we go oh my gosh that's amazing look at all the you know math that you did look at all the problem solving that you did and and that just it fits right into our topics today which are talking about games and simulations and how these fit in the curriculum. Oh. So, is that, is that Ashley in, in Missoula tonight? <laughs> All right. I think your microphone may, may be muted or there's some, your, your audio, there may be some feedback or something like that going on there. So, we're hear, hearing a little bit of feedback that sounds like a radio that's not quite tuned in. So, if you've got your remote control, you may, you may be able to mute or unmute. I'm not sure. Maybe. Maybe. It's not it's not doing it now. So, I don't know. And maybe it wasn't you. It's all good, but anyway, we're glad we're glad you're here. Is John with you? You can do thumbs up or thumbs down. Any John tonight? Hey, there he is. He's on the side. Okay. Well, good. Well, we're glad that you guys are here and and connected. So, and it wasn't just the most amazing 17 minutes ever, but we do have the audio recording of tonight as well as the the video. So, um If you guys have any burning questions that you'd like to pose, um, Ashley and John, feel free to chime in. We had uh, just a couple things that we we shared, um, but your microphone may not be be, uh, working to do that. So, John, if you want to tweet me, I can look at my tweet replies, um, or otherwise you guys can see if you can get your microphone going. Are you all able to hear me okay in Missoula? Thumbs up? Okay. Yay! Okay. Good deal. All right. Well, um, tonight we are going to really uh, dive into Minecraft and see a little bit of what the possibilities are for the classroom. And um, the, I guess maybe I've kind of done this the last few times and we we'll, will do it again. Uh, let's sort of work backwards and we'll look at what our, what our assignment is. So I, I posted onto our kid blog uh, resources for this session and um, basically what I'd like for you to do and... Um, you know, it's going to be a blog post. I'd like you to just try and find a student of any age who plays Minecraft and just interview them a little bit. And I hope, hopefully my son is not going to leave. If, if they go, we've got a shuttle, our shuttle buses leaving uh, to take children to lessons. And I'm not sure which children are staying and which are leaving. Um, but hopefully, uh, my son, is. I've, I sent him these questions in advance. I just put five questions up there as, as ideas. I'm not wanting you to do anything that's super long and super intensive. But I think one of the best ways to get some insight into Minecraft um, is to you know, talk to a, to a young person who's playing it and get them to show you some of what they've done and what they've built uh, really to get alongside them and, and talk with them. So we did quick edit videos as our first unit. If you ha- can get permission from, from them and their parent, and, uh, or maybe you may be the parent. But if you want to do a video piece that you put in here, that would be totally cool. You don't have to. Uh, if you simply just want to write a short little post about some of the things that they shared and some of the things that, that they learned. Um, we live in different worlds in 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 different respects, uh, you all live in a beautiful world there in Montana, um, and you know sometimes we get to physically travel and go to a different place, and I I've, I've loved being able to to come up there the last couple summers, um, but you know virtually with these virtual worlds, whether it's Club Penguin or Minecraft or Scratch, um, there's a lot of time that that people are spending in these virtual environments and if you don't play that game and you're not you know in that world yourself it's kind of hard to get a picture of what is this all about why do people do this and and also to think about you know does this have overlap with school and and with what we're doing you know for for learning in school And so um, that's why I think it would be great to, you know, have some kind of a short interview. If you can't find anybody who is a Minecraft, uh, you know, uh, player, then, you know, you can also, you know, post something just about our class and what we've talked about as far as, as far as Minecraft. But um, hopefully you'll be able to find somebody. And it's popular enough that more than likely there's going to be somebody um, and they may be in your family, uh, but somebody that you can that you can contact, and even if you need to call them on the phone, it may be a relative's, you know, child or somebody that you that you end up visiting with. Um, but I think that would that'll that'll be a good way to kind of deepen our learning a little bit about Minecraft. So, uh, what I would like to do is introduce a couple suggested reading resources for you, and then I have brought my one of my Minecraft servers from school and I'm going to connect to it from my laptop, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit about uh, Minecraft EDU, and, and then I'll show you, uh, you know, a, a few lessons, three different lessons that I've done on, on my, uh, in our lab with students uh, to get you thinking a little bit about how you might you know, utilize Minecraft and simulations and games more generally. And uh, I'm going to pull my son in to talk a little bit about Minecraft as well. So our main resource for but these last two sessions is the simulation or game page of the Mapping Media website and I added a few links to this that I'm gonna kinda scroll down and bring to your attention and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna play one of these um, as well for us to take a look at um, but uh, underneath the Minecraft examples there's a section here called recommended reading and the second link here is to a blog post that a fellow named, um, get his name right, uh, Lucas Gillespie wrote, and his post is called Don't Incentivize Games and Play in the Classroom, and (laughs) I didn't put a link to this or even a picture, but, um, and maybe I'll, I can do a, there's a, I can't think and type at the same time, um, there's a whole website called Chocolate-Covered Broccoli, and uh, yeah, there's the, there's the picture. This is an, an apropos or an appropriate image to think about when we talk about games and education, because... If, you know, a lot of times we think about chocolate as something that kids love. That's games. We might think about broccoli as something kids don't want to eat. Sometimes that's the curriculum. And so, in the context of gamification or trying to, you know, take things and make them more game-like, there is a temptation that we can have sometimes to say, "Wow, well, if I can add badges, or if I can, you know, if if I can somehow make this a game, then I can make, you know, this perhaps this tasteful thing, you know, more fun." There are all kinds of ways that games are used for learning, both inside and outside the classroom. Chocolate-covered broccoli is something that you will, you know, hear people talk about. In fact, I think that this picture may be from an edutopia. Oh, <laughs> look at that. So that was a February 2014 article. I'll put, I'll put this link on, on that list, too. Why serious games are not chocolate-covered broccoli. You know, the kind of games that we might have grown up with, it all depends upon our age... Hang on, I've got to gr- I've got to grab my charger to make sure my um, <laughs> make sure my phone doesn't die. Just in a second. Sorry about that. Um, you know, it, it, when we think about arcade games or we think about games as they started in the in the nineteen eighties, I mean. There's there are a lot of games that are very fast and quick. There's shoot 'em up games. There's, you know, game games that are that, that aren't very complex. But now we have games that are highly complex, that that are that are virtual worlds, that involve all these levels. I don't know if any of you have a friend or family member who's played World of Warcraft. Uh, but World of Warcraft is a very, you know, intense game with people who are organized into groups called guilds. And they'll, they'll uh, you know, get together at certain times and, you know, go on these different adventures. And it's, you know, incredibly complicated and complex. In fact, it, it's, it's potentially lucrative, too. Uh, there are folks in in different areas, including India and China, where they would actually build up characters to a certain level in World of Warcraft and then sell them. So if people didn't want to spend the time to build up their character, they could buy their character at this certain kind of of level. Um, The article that that Lucas Gillespie wrote about not incentivizing games and and play in the classroom is basically making the case that whenever we say games in the classroom, automatically, a lot of times, walls go up, especially with adults, with teachers and with parents saying, wait a minute, that's not serious. That's not something, you know, we could do in school. That's something you're going to do on your own time, but it's not serious learning. And even students start to have this kind of conditioning where they think that something that's a game, something that, you know, they're intrinsically motivated to play that has different kinds of feedback, that that is you know, not going to be appropriate for school. There absolutely, definitely are games that are not appropriate for school. I mean, I think there's probably games, and I won't (laughs) go off on this at length, but I mean, I think there's stuff that's probably not appropriate for anybody. I mean, there's some M is mature stuff that uh, some of your kids may play. You know, you may have family members that play. Maybe you play. I may be stepping on your toes you know, that are full of blood and gore and they're first person. And, you know, you're, you know, my, I have this on my blog from years ago. <clears throat> my in-laws bought me a subscription to a magazine, you know, like 10 years ago, probably called Game Informer Magazine. And, uh, you know, I'm not a big gamer, but um, it was a well-intentioned gift. And they had some article about a, uh, a game that involved being a vampire and going around and cutting and killing people. And, um, you know, I don't think about myself. I don't dream. I don't, I don't remember my dreams that often, but I had read this article and then I had a nightmare, which I basically never have when I had just read this article and seen these pictures. And I don't think of myself as being somebody who's just like super protected and overly sensitive. But what it pointed out to me was if I had a nightmare, just looking at these images and I did, I think, read it right before bedtime, uh, you know, what's it like when you're playing the game, when you're immersed in the game, and, you know, the new Xbox, and, and also the Wii 2, you know, is allowing you to use motions, to, to use your voice, it's just, it's becoming more and more like the holodeck of Star Trek, that's kind of where we're going with this, so... Um, the the point that Gillespie was making in this article is there are wonderful ways in which games, which some people will call a simulation, and sometimes that's a less you know pre, a, a term that's less laden with preconceptions, maybe where people are like, oh no, you know, sort of like blogs. Oh, blogs that you know, those are aren't those going to be you know inappropriate? Um, which of course, a blog is just a time and date stamped website; it can have anything on it. Um, a game, you know, doesn't necessarily mean it's good or bad. It's fairly, It's it's a neutral idea. It depends on what you put into it. So that's that's a worthwhile post that I would um, uh, encourage you to check out and take a look at. There is also an article by James Paul G that uh, Gillespie links to in that post, and it's this is, there's a whole book that that G has written, but this is a shorter PDF, and it's called Good Video Games and Good Learning. And, um, you know, he goes through some different elements of uh, good games that they incorporate, um, like identity, interaction. I love this. Anytime some, I, I got to read a little Plato in my, one of my philosophy classes in college. So he quotes Plato in The Phaedrus saying, aren't books a bummer because they don't interact with you? Well, think about a game. Games, you know, number one, the game industry today is much, much larger than all of Hollywood. And my uh, cousin, who who lives in uh, the Dallas area, just graduated from high school last year, and he's been in community college, uh, and he wants to be a game animator. There is a huge market for folks with computer skills to, you know, be in the game industry. And, you know, the whole idea of interaction and, and even a book, we I might have mentioned this a little bit when we talked about eBooks on the iPad, but you know what is a what is an ebook and then what is an app. The ebook Our Choice by Al Gore, I don't know that I showed you that one, it's and it's not a free book, but what I've heard is that there was a team of four different programmers that programmed that app. And, and that ebook and that ebook has things like when you're learning about wind energy, you know, you blow into the microphone to make the windmill spin and it, you know, makes the, the, the virtual battery charge up and, you know, kind of shows you how wind in, wind energy works. Um, that's an app. It, it's not just an ebook that you download on your Kindle. And so anyway, we think about reading and we think about learning and traditionally we've had books but you know Plato back however many years ago that was thousands of years ago you know was complaining about the limitations of books and and now today in 2014 we have this potential for books to be so much more we learned how to create you know multimedia or enhanced ebooks that would have audio and you know perhaps a video and pictures as, as well as links but with games that can just you know go even further uh, with interaction so i 'm not going to talk as much about all these elements as that interaction piece, but I thought that was that 's a huge part and If you think about it, um, a good game that has good characters I see my slow hopefully my audio's not i 've got a little yellow icon with a lightning bolt that comes up when my internet connection gets slow, so it went away so hopefully i 'm not being. Uh, I'm, hopefully i 'm still being intelligible. Do um, you remember choose your own adventure books? Well, some kids love those because, you know, the story can be different every time. A good game is like that, too, because based on your decisions and your choices, you choose your path, you know, through this game. So, anyway, uh, interaction, production, um, you know, you're not just consuming, you're producing in a game. Risk-taking is an essential part of gaming. In fact, a lot of times, you know, just failure is just part of it and that's it's a hugely important thing to help kids realize that you know failure isn't the end of the world it's part of learning and Anyway, games really tend to embody that idea that we take risks and we fail, and then we just keep on learning and getting better. Um, customization, agency, well-ordered problems, uh, which actually the uh, code.org is an example of that, where you kind of level up. It's not just random, here, go into these 300 projects and explore them. You know, there are levels because you're going to learn skills that are going to build on themselves and, and lead to, you know, more complex, more, more complicated and difficult ones. Um, challenge and consolidation, just in time learning, and you know, Minecraft is an example of that. There's so much to learn. When do you learn it? Well, when you need it. You know, when I need to cook food, I got to learn to make a furnace. And where do I get charcoal? You know, yesterday my daughter learned that she could you didn't have to find coal in the mine you can take wood from the tree and you can make your own charcoal well you know she learned that because her world didn't have coal where she could find it it was just in time a lot of times in school we're about just in case learning why do we need to learn this because you'll need it you know down the road and and when you're learning stuff for a game or even in scratch for instance You know, when a student wants to make their sprite move across the screen, well, then they they learn about positive and negative numbers. And they might learn about degrees of of turning and things like that. And it's very purposeful. It's in context, and it's just in time. Um, And it's also a situated meaning. Uh, um, Again, a lot of times with learning, we're not placing concepts in a meaningful way. in a meaningful context, and so meaningful contexts are essential for them to hook into our brain and for them to uh, to stick with us. So there's other stuff that, are, that are, that's in that article, but it's not super long and, and it's just it's just really great. The last thing I have there under recommended reading, is actually a uh, a post by Zach Gilbert. I had a chance last February to meet Zach up in Chicago at the Chicago- at the Illinois Ice Conference that they have for technology, and he wrote this post called Six Steps to Successfully Integrate Minecraft into Your Classroom. Now I am not I've already said this a, a big gamer. Uh, the thing that's encouraged me to really jump into Minecraft and, and led to using funds for my classroom to buy Minecraft EDU and to, you know, open this door for, for Minecraft learning with our after-school club as well as in, in STEM class really was my own children and, you know, my son who was playing Minecraft and uh, seeing him and, and, and Zach's encouragement, hey, why don't you, you know, play with him, sit down and, uh, and have him teach you and um you know the first time that we played i a, a lot of times as adults we do not experience what it's like to be a beginner um i don't know if any of you remember the first time that you went snow skiing and maybe all of you started when you were 4 or 3 i'm not sure uh or ice skating or you know some kind of a sport where you you felt very you felt like a real beginner because you hadn't done it before and you know you were you were failing and it was tough and you, you know you were in that spot of being a beginner well I felt that way playing Minecraft with my son um, and you know there maybe my favorite story was one night and this was a little bit later um, my daughter and I were playing and we had been mining in in the mines and we were trying to get back to our house and if you're in your house with the door closed the monsters can't come in and get you. Well, we tried to make this run from our, the cave to our house, and the monsters came and got us, and they attacked us, and they took our stuff, and some of them blew up, and it blew up our house. Well, my son was was here. This is in the evening, and one of his uh, friends, and he, my son is 16, he's a sophomore, and they heard us. You know, we yelled, and you can join other people's game uh, over your local network. And so, anyway, they kind of swooped to the rescue like superheroes and they killed all the bad guys and they helped rebuild our house and they picked up our stuff and they, you know, gave it back to us. And anyway, it was just wild. And we've just had some really fun um, times, I think, learning together, but it's helped and it's given me a window into their world. Uh, One of the important things for us as Parents, grandparents, teachers, members of our community, you know, we, we need to know where our kids are playing. Um, in the past, when, when kids would just go off to the park or, you know, they'd be out in the sandbox, you know, sometimes we would go check in on them. You know, where are they? What are they doing? Uh, we, could, we could look in the playground. Okay, I see them in the sandbox over there. Minecraft and some of these other worlds are like the virtual sandboxes of today, and there are some dangers out there. There are things to be concerned about, um, but there's also a lot of of awesome opportunity to create, to learn to solve problems, to collaborate with others, and you know, and to acquire a lot of literacy skills. Uh, my son, I'm sure, well, I'm not sure, but I would just I would I would hypothesize, you know, that he does more reading. Uh, for the game-based stuff that he's interested in on his own time than he does during the the school hours. Um, It's something that really motivates him. So, those are three different articles that I just recommend that you check out. Um, They're not required reading. You don't have to reflect on those. Um, But I will also add to that a video that my son created. and and Actually, I think it's probably on there. Um, It's probably on here under, under tutorials. Um, he created a uh, video. Well, maybe not, and I'll add it for um, the K twelve online conference, um, and it was called, you know, creating in Minecraft. He did it, I think, two years ago. It's about twenty five minutes, and so he just, um, you know, kind of takes us into his world. He does a, a screencast recording, and it's it's another way to, you know, learn a little bit more about Minecraft. So what I'd like to do now is. Um, Actually, uh, open up Minecraft, and then I'm going to I'm going to get him here at some point to come in and, and answer a few questions. But I'm going to connect to uh, the Minecraft server, and let's talk a little bit about uh, Minecraft and how how it works and and what Minecraft Edu is. So Minecraft is a game that is I think you know five years old or or less. It's not it, it's not a, it, it's not that old. Um, to to purchase it. Um, for the Macintosh or the Windows platform on a, on a laptop or a desktop. It costs $26 and it has multiple modes that you can be in and um, survival mode is where there are monsters and, and you, you know, have to protect yourself and build a house and things but then there's also something that's called creative mode and one of the ways that I want to encourage you to think about bringing Minecraft into your classroom next year is inviting students to perhaps create a simulation of something that you're talking about in your curriculum in creative mode in Minecraft. And um, what I wanna play for you is a video, and I've got this on, our, on this website of, of links under Minecraft examples. And uh, this one is called uh, San Diego Mission Project. And it was created by a fourth grader in, in San Diego. There is a link to this that says Backstory, and you can get a little bit more information basically, in this fourth grade class, uh, they do a missions project learning about the missions of california it 's one of the things that they do and so um, s- students usually would visit a uh, a mission and then they would you know create a diorama or some kind of physical representation of of the mission, so um, I'm just going to go ahead and play this video for you. This is on YouTube, and um, then what I'm going to what I'm going to do. I've got to plug in my audio. Is um, give you a minute or two to oh, maybe give you 60 seconds to sort of talk at your site, just to kind of respond to it as far as. Um, the uh, the project and what what kind of learning you think is reflected in it and so I guess those would be my questions to, for you to to think about as you watch this is um, w- what kind of learning and value does this project have as as a screencast so this is a recording of the student kind of taking us through the tour um, and. You know what? What kind of preparation do you think went into the creation of this of this project? So this is about four minutes, and then I'll uh, start a little timer and give you some time to talk at your site, and then we'll have people go around and share just some responses to this.
1: Welcome to Mission San Diego de Alcalá. I'm Father Sarah, and I founded this mission in 1769. It's the first of the 21 California missions. Out front, what you see are the bell tower, is the bell tower, which is also called the campanario, and the diagonal buttress walls, which are for earthquake stability. Come on with me, and I'll show you around. Inside this church, there was a ruidos, which is the structure right behind the altar, and Over above the doorway, there was a balcony. And this is the courtyard. And it was important because it was where the fiestas, the weddings, and other gatherings took place. Another reason it was important is there was a cistern, which is where the water was collected. And all the walls are also built out of adobe bricks. Which is a mixture of water, soil, manure, and straw, which are drying in the sun for 90 days. And this is the convento we're going into? Missionaries studied, worked, and slept here. And this is the portico, which is a long hallway along with the convento, and there are nine niches here. Each of them holding a statue of the of Father Sarah, who built nine different missions. This room is a storage room, along with other storage rooms next to it, which hold wool, wood, tools, and other important resources. Out here are the fields and the livestock pens. The plants that they grew were wheat, barley, corn, and beans. And the mission's livestock were 20,000 sheep, 10,000 cattle, 1,250 horses, as well as pigs and mules, and chickens, too. This is the granary, which is basically where they store grain. And over here is where the living quarters are, which normally just had a bed and a desk, and they were usually small. is where they had metalworking, leatherworking, and they made tools and other items needed to run mission And this is the black splits we're going in right now, which is where they made some of the tools they have and had anvils too. And this is outside, like a backyard, where they had just an anvil and a few furnaces. And this is. Mission San Diego D. Alcala. Thank you for coming with me on this tour of mission.
0: Okay, so that was published um on february 24th of last year so i'm going to just uh turn the the online oops i don't want to do online banking (laughs) i want to do my online stopwatch um i'm going to give you guys 60 seconds so just oh man did we lose we lost two of our sites we lost missoula and we lost uh twin bridges during that time so we'll hope that they're going to reconnect i don't know what happened um so just go ahead and Talk among yourselves about that video real quick, and then uh, we'll just have, have a few of you uh, share some thoughts. Go. Okay, Kalispell is, or Quinn Bridges is back. I, did, I, did we did we lose you guys, or did with the video, we didn't? Oh, okay. So they just changed the, changed the layout of what we were looking at there. Um, well, um, anybody want to share a thought about that particular project in Minecraft, the value of that, or kind of what you know what went into that? Let's let's go to Kalispell first, since y'all have the most. Y'all can nominate whoever you want to have talk. <laughs>
2: Well, it was really, I thought it was really cool, but is that in the, how did he do that with the captions and the, going through it like that? Did he make a movie of it and then put the captions on it and
0: then? So that, that's a screen, it's a, it's a screencast, so that's a recording of the screen and, when you record your screen with, with different screencast software, you can go ahead and put in, it's called post production, so it's the stuff you do afterwards, and you can go ahead and, and do all kinds of things, including putting in text captions. So um, I'm sure, I mean, I would bet that an adult helped with that process. Um, on our Mapping Media site, if you go to the link for screencasts or narrated slideshows, there are a variety of different programs that will, will let you do that. Uh, my favorite one on the Mac is called ScreenFlow. Unfortunately, it's not free. It's like a $100 program. On the Windows side, Camtasia, and actually Camtasia is for Mac too, but it records everything that's on your screen. You can just publish it like it is, or if you want, you can you can make changes, and those captions would have been added afterwards. Any other thoughts so or- did
2: he do that on- Go ahead. Did he create that in the, well,
0: they were talking that there's the game mode and then there's a create mode. Mm-hmm. That, was, that, so that was in... That was obviously made in the creative mode, create. right. And when, and when you create a world... And,
2: and from the game itself.
0: Right, so the, there were two programs that he was running at the same time to make that. Uh, he was running Minecraft, the regular Minecraft. That was built in creative mode, and in creative mode, you have unlimited resources. You can fly like you saw him fly up above the the uh, mission there and you can decide if you have what's called a flat world, which is what he did. This was just built on a flat world that didn't have mountains or mines or you know extra trees or whatever he he built everything in there, um, but you can use creative mode also where You know, it creates the world for you, and there are swamps and deserts and mountains and forests and jungles and and all kinds of things like that. Cool. And so that Minecraft was running, and then he had a screen recorder, and I don't know which screen recorder uh, he used, but it was was then capturing everything that he was doing on the computer as well as the audio, you know, as he took us on that tour and narrated it. Any other thoughts or questions from Calispell about that project? Did
1: you have one question? Go
2: ahead. Well, okay, so this may be a silly question, but so you can download then the Minecraft app or the program onto, say, a, a Mac laptop or a computer.
0: Good question. There are no silly questions. So Minecraft runs on multiple platforms. Uh, You can get it for console like the Xbox. Uh, So some kids have just played it on an Xbox. Um, It is available in in kind of a light version for the iPad and the iPhone. It's called Minecraft Pocket Edition. I think it costs about $7. um, And it is more limited as far as what you can do. One of the things we've learned, I learned this year, was that some of our kids would bring iPod touches and iPhones to school and they would have their Minecraft Pocket Edition. Well, they can actually open it up for others to play. And so there would be kids at our school when their devices, according to the rules, are supposed to be put away currently. Um, they're, they're playing Minecraft against each other during the school day over our network. So I don't know if our IT department knew that that was happening. Um, but the one that he did here was a was a pc based version of Minecraft, so it costs about twenty six dollars u s to to buy and it 's available for Windows or for mac and that 's the version that that the student was using who recorded that because um, you can just you can tell it by looking at that but that was the the full pc version. Mm-hmm.
2: All right. So, you probably couldn't create that on, say, an
0: iPad? Um, you know, it would be more challenging, I think, to create something that detailed on the iPad, but, uh, you know, people have written novels on cell phones in, in Japan. I mean, I've heard about that. Um, so, I wouldn't say that, you know, it's impossible, but it's, it would definitely be a lot more challenging to figure out how to do the, the screen recording. Um, you can mirror an iPad to a regular computer and record it. There's not currently that I know of an app that would run simultaneously with another app like Minecraft Pocket Edition to be able to record it. So you'd have to, if you were to record something like that, you'd have to connect to the PC. So, you guys are cold. Send your cold my way. Can you send the cold through the Ethernet? Let's go to Twin Bridges. Uh, Comment or thought from you all? (laughs) <laughs> Karen or Amy, any thoughts?
2: Sorry, I thought you were still talking to Callisto. Oh no, it's okay. Um, we, we just talked about Karen's annual field trip. We go, we go all the way to Havre,
1: Montana and see about seven different sites. It
2: would be really cool to have the kids create um, and even maybe do a reenactment of the battles because we go to the battles, uh
1: where at the Bear Paw, which was where um, Chief Joseph surrendered. To oh wow! But it would be kind of cool to to have something like that.
0: I was impressed. What would what would you? Why would you say that would be valuable um, for them to create, like versus just going there and seeing it? What? What are they going to get out of it if they would create some kind of a simulation of that in Minecraft or in some other environment?
1: I think when you have to create something like that, even if it's just a diorama, you remember the things that you've learned so much better and you're able to teach someone else and that helps you remember even more. And so I think it'd be valuable just so that they can continue that learning and they have that. If you just go and see something, you don't remember it. Right. But if you have to teach it or you have to create it you remember it
0: that's right, and that's I hopefully have shown at some point the you know revision of bloom 's taxonomy with create on the top but yeah i mean there this this student i'm sure owns the knowledge about the mission project far more you know yeah, than so than cool. if he had just you know even probably done a poster you know because of the time that 's involved and you know the details so well let 's see if we can get missoula and uh, with uh, Ashley and uh, And John, with microphones, microphone. So you all want to give your mic a try and share a thought or a question? Can you hear us? We can hear you. Yay.
2: Um, I was thinking a couple different things. We did um, some stuff with the Olympics during the Winter Olympics. And they all created their own Winter Olympics sports and, you know, just drew pictures of it, wrote about it, created their own, like, metal for their sport. But it would be cool to do something like that in Minecraft,
0: where they created it in Minecraft. Right, right. Yeah. There are limitations that you're going to have as far as what objects are available and, you know, what what the possibilities are. But that's also one of the neat things about creativity. One of my favorite, you know, quotes that I won't, Exactly. Say precisely, but it's from IKEA. Which when we go to Dallas, we have to go to Dallas to go to IKEA. Um, They IKEA's a lot of what they have are are you know furnishings for small places for apartments and things. And there's some a quote that it has where it basically says creativity you know thrives within constraints. So it's not necessarily a bad thing that you don't have. All possibilities, you know, there'll be constraints, and so what? You know, to what degree could you create your Olympic uh, game, or could you recreate, um, you know, the the surrender of the um, of Chief Joseph and the uh, the Nez Pierce? If I'm going to say that right, um, I probably am not. Um, anyway, that you know, it's the thing that I think Minecraft presents to us. There are a lot of kids, and we're talking millions and millions of kids. Who are already playing this game, loving this game, but they haven't necessarily made a connection that, oh, instead of doing a shoebox diorama, I could create a Minecraft, you know, simulation. Now, it's going to take a lot more time, honestly, to do that Minecraft version than the shoebox one, um, but... I would, I would hypothesize that you will have at least some kids that would be really jazzed and excited to have an opportunity to use their Minecraft skills in, in doing that kind of building. And so one way, one possibility of bringing in simulations and games into your classroom next year might be showing kids some examples. And I will definitely say that San Diego Mission Project, I would say that is an outlier project. Like, that is incredible I only have seen a couple other projects ever that in Minecraft are like that. Probably we're going to have more students in more places share projects, and so there'll be other examples. So I wouldn't hold that up to say, "Hey guys, you all can." You know, I want you to do something that's you know just this involved, just this detailed. You know, maybe not that that took a ton of time and was really exemplary. But, um, I, you know, I would, I would bet that there will be some of your kids who, who would be excited to do that. I wish I had recorded it with video, but we had one student, actually one of my girls, in my Wednesday after-school Makers Club. Uh, we did a couple show-and-tell times during the semester when kids would show stuff they had built and they had made. And she had – they had been studying the Mayflower and um, – you know, early colonial America, and so she had built the Mayflower ship, and she had built some colonial houses, and you know, showed us that. Um, and I'm trying to think, it might have actually, it was on her eye touch that she was showing us that. So that was that was pretty cool. Um, there's another project. Well, there's there's two other projects. No, there's three. Sorry, there's a Jamestown project, a sod house project, and then there's one called. Uh, Minecraft used to reconstruct a historical settlement. And that one was created on iPads. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of different possibilities. And, that, you know, that's one potential way of opening the door to simulations and games and, you know, possibly having your students... Um, you know, own the material and own information a little more because they've built a, a detailed simulation, creating a rubric for that, letting them know, you know, what kinds of things do they need to include, just kind of like you would in a in a paper-based, you know, like a shoebox diorama, but what kind, how do you want them to reflect their learning, uh, or what, what specific pieces of the learning, you know, do you want them to reflect in that kind of simulation? Um, any other questions or thoughts about this before we... Before I kind of jump in and connect. Kalispell, any other comments or questions you all want to share? You can nominate someone. In, in Twin bridges. Okay, go ahead. That's right.
2: Hey, this is Amy. Um, I was just thinking about my brother. Um, he's like 30, but he was dyslexic, and he graduated with a third-grade reading level, but he was, like, amazing at AutoCAD and... Um, So he couldn't consistently read the word for or from, but he could do some mechanical things really superiorly, I guess. And I think just thinking about different learning styles and abilities, I think that opens up a world to kids with maybe what we would perceive as disadvantages and give them an opportunity to excel.
0: Absolutely. In fact, one of my ahas this, this semester teaching this class has been, like, mapping media may not be the greatest title in the world for my book, and I think, and I might even do, the, I don't know if I'll do it this summer for my iPad media camp, show what you know with iPads. You know, that, that's, that could be the title of this class, show what you know with iPads, because whether it would be a Minecraft project or it'd be a quick edit video or an ebook or something else, It's media. We're using these tools to show what we know and what we understand. And sometimes we think about doing that just for students who have the individual education plan, the IEP. But honestly, you know, doesn't everyone deserve the opportunity to have choices in how they show you what they know and and what they understand? So um, I totally agree with that. I think there's a lot of times where, that, that's what the story I, I mentioned earlier that, that Amy Leffeholtz told about her student with his scratch project. If we had just been limited to this, you know, just the pencil, we wouldn't have seen this side of him, this creative side and this sort of whimsical, fun, you know, side. And also the expertise and the problem-solving ability and all the stuff that came out of that. So, yeah, definitely. Talispell, any comments or thoughts? Okay, John, go ahead.
2: Um, well, this was, everything I know about Minecraft is from my nine-year-old, who's incredible, even. Yeah, even, even, you look at tutorials. And I'm just going away with the things you can do. my one of my goals this year, which I didn't get to, I, wanted, I really wanted to have Minecraft in the kindergarten classroom. Um, we pulled it out a couple of times. But I know that, for as far as the emergent side and the primary side, um, for those who are really reluctant, um, it's a really great speaking opportunity, and I have some, some really emergent kids be able to describe to me and explain to me what they've done and what they've built on Minecraft, um, and so that's opening up a whole new side of literacy, especially for um, for little kids that are reluctant to write. They can easily show me. Um, using the iPad. They're so, so intuitive, and a lot of them have experience with it. Um, just to describe to me what you have, what did you build. And it, you can get them into some critical thinking with that, you know. So, I love the oral fluency that I think you gain from just being able to have a conversation with kids. Um, because all of them, I mean, if you just say the word Minecraft, you know, they're, they're talking about zombies, and you know, survival mode, and...
0: Swords! Yeah. <laughs> hey Alexander, bring your sword. Can you bring me the Minecraft sword? Absolutely. You know, you've you've hooked them at that point, And then what do you do with that hook? We can have conversations, you know, and getting... One of the best things I, I learned in graduate school was in one of my literacy classes. And my professor said that often we ask kids to write where they're shallow and not where they're deep. You know, here's my Minecraft sword. This is actually Alexander's sword. Um, so... If you know, there's a lot of things we can write about, right? And you know, kids may not be really deep in knowledge about that particular part of the curriculum. And and part of what we want to do is introduce them to the curriculum and get into that. But when we're when we're thinking about developing writing skills, and I love to teach kids writing and I, I love to write and I think it's so important, you know. What's the topic? Well, can't we write about Minecraft? Could you describe, you know, how you learn to, um, you know, cook food in a, in a, in that and make charcoal for your forge and, and to do that? And it, and it doesn't just have to be a five-paragraph essay. You know, it could be an audiobook recording. It could be an audio recording in an e-book. It, it could be all kinds of things. And I love engaging kids in conversations. And, I mean, my own children, too. You know, that's another reason. Minecraft has been a way to connect with my son and with my daughter. And, and I mean, we go on a, we've gone on some adventures together, right? They're virtual. But we've also had good conversations, and good things come out of that. So I, I, like, I like that connection, John. Did, did you want to say something else too? Or somebody else was jumping in? Maybe not. One other thought that your, your, your story triggered, John, as far as language. Um, one of our special education teachers this year um, told me about one of our fifth graders who, who I had in class. And, um, you know, very smart student but oh my gosh, he was he was in the most challenging fifth grade class in our whole building. Um, I ended up subbing some in that class, and it just uh, it was there was a ton of bullying, a lot of harshness, just all kinds of just not kind behavior happening in that class. I, and I hurt for every child who who was in this class. Well, one of the things that Minecraft did for him with his special education teacher was it gave him a language to express himself, and she told us at lunch one day that he would talk about himself in third person but talk about it in Minecraft and one of the things he said about his class was that he felt like a, sometimes a sheep in Minecraft who had, been sh- who had been shorn too close to where the blade had cut the skin and that was how he felt in class and he was talking about bullying but it gave him a language to express that And um, sometimes we'll hear adults lament that kids spend so much time in, you know, Minecraft. And, and, you know, we all need to live balanced lives. You know, all of us do. But... I can understand, being in, in playing Minecraft, why kids like that so much. You know, in creative mode, you can fly. Isn't that everybody's dream at some point? You know, I'd love to be able to fly. You know, you have unlimited resources. You can build and create things, and you work with people, and, you know, it's just, it's, it's pretty amazing. So, we've got about 23 minutes left. Um, what I would like to do now is actually connect to the Minecraft server and kind of show you how, what this looks like and how this um, how this can work. You don't have to buy Minecraft in your classroom, um, but if you want to use Minecraft at school, there is a special educational version of Minecraft which has been created uh, called Minecraft EDU, and it is, it is the official Minecraft, but it has been made for schools so that you can have more control over all kinds of elements in there. Oh, you want, to connect, you want to connect with me? Oh, okay, cool. Sure, yeah, connect. Uh, okay, I'm going to have to give you the address. So go ahead and go to Minecraft EDU. My, so Rachel, my fourth grader, is here, and she just just said, can I connect? So that'll be cool, so you can, you can see us connect together. So uh, regular Minecraft costs uh, about $27 US per license. Minecraft EDU is discounted, and you can buy it at about half cost. And technically, you're supposed to have licenses for each student who has it or who runs it. So my largest class this year was 29 So we spent about $420 ordering 29 licenses of Minecraft EDU. And um, Minecraft, you can just run it on your own computer. So I can open it up and run it here. People could connect over my local network, like right here at our house. There are servers that you can connect to on the internet, and, you know, there are um, – one of the questions I was going to ask my son, and I still might, uh, if we have time tonight, is, you know, what kinds of safety things do parents need to be concerned about as far as connecting? Um, But what we're going to do now is we're going to connect to Minecraft EDU, and there's actually a Mac Mini sitting over here by my television – and you can use a computer at your school, and your, your students can connect to that. So that's what I'm going to uh, demonstrate right now. I'm going to uh, click Start Minecraft EDU, and so this is the educational version. Uh, one of the things that you get to do in the educational version, by the way, is, you know, turn off... Uh, what's called p v p which is players being able to attack each other uh which is which is something that s- some students may want to do, but that is not something that we want to be doing in school uh almost almost certainly so what I need to tell Rachel here is minecraft starts Wait, starts up is um, I need to um, tell her what the address is, and when we launch this, we can launch it in single player, which is here on my computer. Or I can launch it in multiplayer to join another one. And uh, let's see, went to the wrong thing. So um, let me write this down. So there's a, there's an address here that is a local address. You all actually can't can't type this in and go to it because it's just here on my computer um, for the the server. And you can add add this address and put a, put a name by it. And this is what Rachel is going to have to put in in order to join. So I'm going to go ahead and say, join server. We just need to wait till it loads up. Is it loading? Yeah. And you get to choose your appearance for what you look like. And if I said I was female, it would be giving me uh, female skins instead of male. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say I'm the teacher. And I'm going to put in my password because this gives me even more superpowers to uh, be in Minecraft and be able to do things. And now it's going to log me into the world where we're going to start. And so I'm going to go ahead and make this full screen. And let me help Rachel here real quick. She's got to change her address on her computer. So the way that, and I don't know if you can see that she's over here. Uh, there she is. Wave to everybody, Rachel. Hi. <laughs> um, we, go to the com- we have gone to the computer lab to um, be able to do this. Okay, you should be able to join now. And so um, the, this, the software that we're running is actually on, on the computers in the computer lab. So um, what I have done, I, I'm going to use my mouse to look around and Rachel just joined the game, so I was, and we spawned on that, on that spot. So she logged in as Rachel3. I can use my mouse to look around, and this is called the tutorial world. And if you get Minecraft EDU, uh, this is the, what I found to be the best way to start, uh, because this is set up for kids to uh, be able to explore. And I'm using keys on my keyboard, the W, A, S, and D keys, to navigate. and You can see it's written up there on the wall. There are also little signs here that say welcome, press W to walk forward, you know, move the mouse to look around. These are little signs that have been put in. And so what the students are supposed to do is follow this blue line. And so um, you can also uh, right click these um, boxes here and it'll pop up with some longer messages. I actually yeah, in fact, Rachel, I'm just thinking, I don't know how to do this. This may be something in Minecraft, EDU, that we can do, in, uh, that we can't do in regular Minecraft, because we, we were just leaving regular notes. Did you go around the corner? Well, I'm
2: over here.
0: Where'd you go? Staff over. Oh, okay. Yeah, so come, come follow me. We want to follow this blue line. Okay. All right, so here she goes. So um, one of the things that I've got a link to on the... Uh, Minecraft EDU resource page is just a one-page printable handout that has the instructions for you know the controls. And I use that as a one-page handout for, for my students. Um, so it says Minecraft is about being surprised. So what we're going to learn now is how to jump which is the space bar. So, so in order to get up here we are going to press our space bar. And uh, so this is just introducing us to this world now, um, normally, when you are in Minecraft, you can uh, click on something and you can destroy it like you can break blocks or you can place blocks and this one has special blocks in it. Are you following me, rich? Here she comes so i 've turned around and here she comes um, it has special special blocks in it so that um, the kids can't, can't, can't break this and, and bust this up. Now, something else we can do is I can press the T key and say, hi, Rachel. And I can text that, and that will pop up. And uh, I have done text chat with students you know, through the years on different different kinds of platforms and I have never had it happen where students don't blow it. In other words, somebody doesn't say something inappropriate, you know, we don't have to say, okay, everyone stop, let's talk. I require my students to log in with their real first name, not their screen, you know, a screen name, code name or something. And um, it just, talking about responsibility, being being accountable for what we do, you know, in the virtual world of Minecraft, like we like we would in the um, face-to-face world. i to see something like scary because there's all these signs
1: saying like about
0: being. Rachel, yeah, Rachel's asking if she's gonna be surprised and see something scary. No, there's there's not any monsters on this one. Um, one of the things that the that you know this server world comes pre-configured is um it says to the training valley and there are fences that are here that that limit where we Girl, can go. I, go I know and you can't break the break the f- fences here so um yeah. um oh. is like monsters are turned off, night is turned off. Um we can't attack each other, you know. So we also can't uh we can't fly. We're we're not in creative mode right now. Kind of looks like Rachel's floating above the air there. but Alright, so this particular world is, is the tutorial world and um, it, no this is made the Minecraft EDU people make this so you can you can just you know connect right to it. Rachel's never seen this before so um, but this is this is how how I introduced my students who you know probably half of them had played Minecraft before and half of them had not but a lot of those that had played, had played on a different, con- on a different platform. So they, they had played on the Xbox with an Xbox controller, but they didn't know how to um, you know, use the keyboard commands. And, or they played on their iPod touch. So this is an obstacle course, and, and so they learned to jump, and uh, then how to, how to go up ladders. So there's a ladder over here that we have to go up, and so you climb the ladder and then you have to come jump over this little gap gap. yeah they are so you have to actually jump we'll watch Rachel get over this so there's Rachel okay and one of the things you run into too is Lag when you get a lot of students connecting on the same computer. So I asked our IT department to put two more gigabytes of, of memory of RAM on my Dell desktop computer, so I have four gigs, and that actually runs faster than this little old Mac Mini that we had. Um, we, I spent 200 bucks and bought 16 gigs of RAM for it, thinking it would be the ultimate Minecraft server. And anyway, the, my Dell at, at school is faster than, than this one is. Um, but when things lag, it just it's a little bit slow, and um, so anyway, this is this is the tutorial world, and this was was the, the way that we we introduced uh, Minecraft. So um, what I'd like to do now, Alex, can you come on in? Um, I've actually got to go over to my computer and switch the Minecraft world that's running. And um, But, Rachel, you're going to get to connect again, because we're going we're to connect in creative mode and show, it and show them how to build. No, I need you to help me, help me build. So um, I have asked Alexander to think of some answers to a few, a few questions. And um, you have those written down on your phone? I have them.
3: Been- me.
0: Okay, cool. So I'm going to actually trade spots with him and let him introduce himself, and uh, you can actually read any of those questions that you want, and you can answer them a little right. bit. Right. I told him i buy him <laughs> pizza tonight if he did this for me, so... Alright. Alright.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, hello, I'm Alex, and I've been playing Minecraft for quite a while. Um, I started watching, um, Minecraft, actually, a long time before I started playing, and that was sort of my test or whatever, so that I would get into it, and then I bought it, oh, maybe going on two or three years ago now, so. I've been playing for quite a while, um, okay, so... Yeah, Um, one of these questions was, how do you learn about Minecraft, Scrolls, and other related games, um, things these days? So, I've sort of already answered that, but a lot of that right now is just watching videos. Um, I have a lot of YouTubers that I subscribe to, and that I watch, and they also different, usually things that they've built, um, they... There's different types of shows. Some of them are LPs or Let's Plays of the game where they'll play through Minecraft and see how they're doing and then they'll show what they are building in their world which gives ideas for me if I ever want to build anything or anyth- or how the game's sort of progressing and doing that. And then there's other sorts of videos where some people will show off different redstone contraptions where they can show what's kind of possible in, the, in Minecraft. Because it's really wide open, and, and that's one of these other questions, is why do you think Minecraft is so, um, so many kids enjoy playing it? And that's mainly just because there's so many options to Minecraft. There's so many different areas that you can decide or um, what you want to do more so with any other game and that's one term to describe it or that describes games like it is it's a sandbox world so it's a sandbox game where you can kind of do whatever you want but Minecraft a lot more so than others because you have your actual player where you can go around and there's the survival aspect to it, there's the building aspect and there's the complicated um, logic of redstone for it so it appeals to a lot of different um, ages and groups and there's a lot more things that you can do with that.
0: Alright, did you explain what redstone was?
3: Redstone is sort of like the logic wires of um, Minecraft. I can't remember.
0: Making a circuit
3: kind of? Kind of like making a circuit. It's based off um, some of the logic gates of one of the codes, early stuff, but you can turn on and off wires and stuff. Do you have
0: Minecraft EDU on your computer? Yes. Okay, so here's what we're going to do now. Uh, Rachel is already logged in. I've, I've, I've opened up a different world on our EDU server, and um, it's a creative world for building. And so one of the um, next things I did with my students was Um, I actually created this world, which is divided into eight different fields and had them work with a partner and then build a house. So if you want to go connect to your computer, go go join us. We'll build together. We're only going to have about five or six minutes to do this. Okay. Oh, can you guys thank Alexander? Yay. (laughs) They're waving to you. Okay. Well, we've only got about eight eight more minutes here. So um, I'm going to go ahead and go back to multiplayer here and... Connect to the server. And again, I'll, I'll say I'm a teacher, and I forgot to show you this last time. When I connect as a teacher, um, I have a special menu in Minecraft. Okay, well, I'm in creative mode now, so I can double tap. Wait, are you able to fly, Rachel? What? Are you able to fly? No. Oh, alright. I, I, did, I made
1: some weapons for myself, I made a crafting box.
0: Okay, hold on, I'm sorry. All right. Well, so you but you can't you can fly or you can't? You can't. Okay. So I forgot in my Minecraft EDU <laughs> my Minecraft EDU uh, thing here to say that we're in creative mode. So let me go to world settings. Oh, are you sure you can't? Oh, you're right. Now we're in creative. I'm on. Okay. Okay, so I can now double tap my space bar, and that lets me fly up in the air. And so there's Rachel way, way down there. And, the, and the, there are eight different fields here. So, Rachel, where, where should we build? Wanna, let's just build here in this first field. Let, let's just build here in field number seven. Where? Field seven. Okay, so when you uh, press the E key, you have inventory that you can access, and you can um, you can bring up all kinds of uh, of different resources so i'm going to build something i'm going to get some wood planks I build something? Okay. yes let's build a house and here's a torch uh, let's build a, let's build a house together all
1: right let's make it
0: out of wood okay all right so you have what's called a hot bar here at the bottom that has eight different um, spots and you can press the key and then um, you can see I need to set my
1: don't start building yet.
0: you can you can start um, putting things down and building so uh, you can just log log in as a as a student. Okay, so I'm placing these blocks in here. Then Rachel's over there building. When I'm a teacher and I'm logged in, I can hit the P key, and this gives me the teacher menu, and this gives me special powers. So I can manage players. Um, So Rachel's logged in. Alexander's not logged in yet. Um, I can freeze Rachel. I could teleport her to my location. I could teleport to their location. I could prevent them from using chat. Um, I could also stop them from being allowed to build and, um, you know, usually in the lab, it's easier to just walk around and help students, but I actually have in in some cases, you know, gotten into the, to the world this way. And, um, there's a term that you'll, that you'll learn with Minecraft called griefing and somebody who's a griefer is going to go tear down other people's stuff. So one of our rules was, you know, you, you couldn't tear down things that were outside of your area. You build in your area, but you can't, you know, tear things down, um, that, that other people have, have built. Did you connect yet, Alex? Are you on Minecraft Edu or regular Minecraft? Okay. It's not letting you connect to the server. What are you doing? So, what what's the address that you're using? It's one four. No it's one nine two yeah one oh, yeah one oh, the last one's dot 192.168.1.14. dot one dot one four okay, so what the heck are they talking about? There's actually a lot of literacy that, that goes in with this, you know, even talking about IP addresses and the way that the internet works, um, these are local addresses that you know other people outside of our house cannot connect to. Um, but there are, um, you know, there's just, there's a lot going on. This is a complex world. Uh, what we are, ooh, did you just break some glass? That was Alexander. Okay. What What are you doing, Alex? He's throwing stuff at us. (laughs) So, you've got, what kind of potion do you have on? So Alexander's put a speed potion on himself, and then he was... He, uh, were you throwing stuff? What are you doing to me? (laughs) He's, he's throwing stuff at us. Help us build, brother. (laughs) So, you can go onto YouTube and find videos that have been made that are time-lapse of lots of people building together in Minecraft and, um, as an example of, the, of kind of the third lesson that I had students do this year, I asked our fourth and fifth grade teachers for geometry. What's a concept students struggle with? They said perimeter and area. So we had a, a, a challenge where students were asked to build an addition onto their house that had a particular um, area inside, and then they were to build a fenced corral for animals that also that had a specified perimeter. So, you know, that was just one example of a project. Um, But, you know, this is is a very cursory introduction. Um, Minecraft is you know a complex sandbox game that is filled with lots of possibilities. Um, The possibilities that we've seen tonight are, you know, just barely scratching the surface for what can be done. Um, I have definitely found that the creative mode for Minecraft is, you know, the mode that is probably most useful uh, thinking about in school. But um, the last challenge that I did for my students this year was called an orienteering challenge. And it used the latitude and longitude uh, coordinates within Minecraft when you press the function F3 key in Minecraft. I know you can't read that on your screen but it is showing the X, Y, and Z coordinates of where I am in Minecraft and so um, in on the um, Minecraft ED, edu page that I that I linked um, I have a video that I made for my students that took them through this this orienteering challenge and, um, you know, they had to, well, oh, sorry, they had to, you know, go north, south, east, or west, and then navigate looking at their, um, mainly, it wasn't their Y coordinate, it was the the X and the Z coordinate, you know, in order to um, be able to, to get to the next checkpoint. So, I had students um, in my Makers Club help me build that, and, and, you know, we had treasure, and it was like a scavenger hunt that was with treasure that they were finding, so... The sun is going down on our Minecraft world. Every ten minutes is a day in Minecraft, so this is very apropos for today's class. The sun has gone down, the moon is rising, and our course is at its end. So I hope that you all have enjoyed part two of our Mapping Media class. As I did mention earlier These products that we've talked about in this class are definitely more sophisticated and complicated than the ones that that we talked about in part one. And I know not everyone here was part of part one. But I would encourage you, if you can, in the next two weeks to do an interview with some student who has played Minecraft. Uh, Post a reflection about that on our website. And uh, that's it. That is our last assignment. So we'll just uh, lastly see if anybody's got any questions that they'd like to throw my way. And then I think we're done because it says it's one past the hour. So, Kalispell, any closing questions or comments that you'd like to throw out there?
2: No, I think we're good. We just wanted
1: to say thank you. All right. Thank you. Thank you, thank you all. Thank you to your kids in life,
0: also. Yes, yes. I will relay that. They're good sports. It, they're better teachers about this kind of stuff than I am, though. So. Twin twin Bridges. Um, Any questions from Karen or Amy? You're good? Okay. Missoula? Ashley? John? This is like. Thank
2: you. It was great.
0: Okay. All right. Well, I am going to be finishing up the book version of this, and I will be emailing you all a free link to download that. And uh, I hope you all have wonderful summers. Be safe. And please stay in touch. Let me know what you, what you end up creating and doing with your students because there's so many great possibilities. And it really is a blessing to, to have been able to have these seven weeks together to, to share ideas and to learn together. And the learning doesn't stop here. So stay connected and have a great summer. But hopefully you'll, you'll be enthused with some new media ideas to have students show what they know using different tools next year.
1: The Speed of Creativity podcasts are independently produced by Wesley Fryer and are licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution only license. Learn more at www.speedofcreativity.org.